de bak doorgaan snijden, inderdaad. Terwijl op datzelfde moment inderdaad de andere ploeg hier gewoon inderdaad UAE een wijf van de ongelooflijke moeilijke benaming krijgen daar inderdaad. Als ze dat vroeger dan kiest, pak dat toch in allemaal klinkers achter elkaar. Hup, kunt dat niet uitspreken, jongens. Victor. Sure, Talk me through your first gel of the day. I think it's at the start of the race. I start fueling at minute zero of the race. But we only have performance gels, no flavors, just sugars. Okay, and can you do a quick intro to my podcast? <laughs> Welcome to Gel on Your Corn Flakes. Perfect, thank you very much. Good luck today. <laughs> Welcome to Gel On Your Cornflakes. This is only episode two, but as you just heard, we're already the talk of the pro peloton. Well, we managed to nab a few words in the fan zone. I'm Andy Buckwell, your host this week, and in this episode, we'll be talking opening weekend with our own professor of classics, Rupert Evans Harding, who's fresh from his trip to Flanders. We'll be reflecting on last week's hell of the Ashdown ride in Kent. One rider was struck by a deer but both are apparently well, we're relieved to report. And later, we'll be talking to Seb Otley, who tells us how he took over the domestic season's iconic opening race, Perth's Pedal, and rebranded it as the Portsdown Classic. Prof Evans Harding and I are joined by Alex Green, who's taking time out after his own tough opening week and is dialing in from his Highland log cabin. Hello, Team Goik. How are you both doing? Very well, thank you. Very good. Very well. I'm not sure if I can live up to Professor of Classics. It was never a hot topic of mine, but um, I'll do my best in the cycling cycling sphere. You are our learned expert here tonight. Um, so, Rupert, Professor, uh, you bailed out on the hell of the Ashdown for a camping holiday in Flanders. How was it? Well, we didn't camp. That's the first thing. We we bailed on the camping uh, as soon as we saw the the possibility of, of mizzle. Um, and uh, it was just a very last minute thing. An old friend of mine who I hadn't seen for a few years popped up and said, do you want to go and chase the race for uh, opening weekend, Omloop and Kerner? And uh, as much as I love Hell of the Ashdown, I love a good sportive, I had to, I had to say had to say yes to Flanders. And uh, we had an amazing time uh, over Saturday and Sunday. And the weather was actually perfect, just the right amount of, of drizzle and sideways wind, but not too much. So we had a great time. So you as you as as we heard you you got hold of a uh, one or two riders and had a uh, a chat with them where where were you based and how did you how did that come about well we drove we drove down to uh down to dover euro tunnel calais and then drove south ended up in nazareth in belgium <laughs> where we stayed in a very very dodgy looking airbnb which was a converted chicken shed behind nice a, a kind of decrepit cottage on the side of one of those e16 motorways where it sounded like you were by the seaside um we just told ourselves it was the sound of waves lapping on the seashore but it was <laughs> it was uh articulated lorries spraying um the back of our airbnb it was um it was it was great it was great uh i'm glad we didn't camp um we we made our way to the sign on for Omloop, which was uh, in Ghent, 
and worked our way into the buses and we were in the fan zone and wow. uh, just bumped into a few um, what we might call friends of the podcast now, I think. Uh, Tim <laughs> Wellens, Fred Wright said hello. Um, tried to have a word with fellow podcaster Luke Rowe, but uh, I can quote him saying, I don't have time for your podcast. So oh, I think we, I think we can now say we have beef with what's <laughs> with what's occurring. Uh, but no, no, it was it was a fantastic time. And Fred Wright, Tim Wellens, and also on the second day, was at the sign on for Kern, I spoke to Victor Campanarts, and it was a great experience talking to these guys as they're putting That's their garments on. I was very Sorry, impressed. I was very impressed. So did I you rode impressed. as well, right? You rode the omelette. Did you do the? Did we did we ride the Omloop? Um, did, you, did you do the Did you do the route? We rode the well. The thing is, if you're chasing the race, you're not going to ride the course because I can't average uh, forty five k an hour for four hours. I'm pretty sure your your Strava file said Omloop. It did say Omloop, but what? <laughs> so so the thing is, when you're planning one of these, I was with a, with a, with a, another friend of the podcast, Cameron Stanningland, a very very old friend of mine. He has chased many a race and he is an expert at looking at a race course and seeing, maximizing the opportunities to catch it. So Omloop had a very favorable course where if you look at it on paper, plan view, there are lots of twisty turns where you could see it on one corner. Then they ride 10K and you ride 2K to the next corner and you see it, and you see it again. So you, you basically what we did was planned a kind of reverse route which chopped their route on as, as many places as possible so that we could catch them flying by. So it's a really exhilarating day out because you've got the helicopter above, you're trying to get to a corner at the right time. And then as soon as you've seen them, you jump on the bikes and then you make your way to the next spot and then you try and get there on time. And it's uh, it's a great way to, you don't see as much of the race, of course, you don't really know what's going on. You just catch, catch glimpses of it, but you're in it and you're in the terrain at the same time. So you can really feel what they're battling against. Yeah, it's a it's a wonderful thing, and I've done it. I've done it in a car before, but I haven't really done it on a bike before, and it's way more fun on a bike. And then at the end, you're racing back to sure. the to the finish to try and catch it in a bar. You just on your road bike, gravel bike, gravel bike, forty five C, Pinnacle Arcos, fantastic <laughs> machine. Uh, frame bag and um on the on om loop i have to say um i just you know you know you know strava after ride you just you know just having a look at segments kapelmer and i thought <laughs> oh let's have a look at this uh, oh, yeah. then you look at today who's been up the kapelmer wout had been up of course <laughs> and there i was just four seconds behind wout me on a nine kilo gravel bike with frame bag tires slipping wow. wout on his whatever it was s5 6.8 probably so you know i think i could have made it up there faster <laughs> than him on my on my race bike well yeah i so, think it may be a strava error it could be it could be sounds potentially like a don't, strava don't, error. Um, thanks very much and i'd half a, a a demi um devel as well so well maybe that helps me your pedigree just sounds better and better with every telling of this um so did did you get to see them on any of the the mirrors? Did you? They're, they're the bits where they're really grinding, and you see these pros that really. Yeah, we saw Capel Mirror was the main mirror that we saw them on, and um, oh, it's such a good vibe. It was it was um, there must have been 
I mean, it was packed. You couldn't see. So it's not a grassy hill normally um, with a with a Jesus on the cross at the top, a church at the top, uh, a bar halfway down, cobbled climb. You couldn't see the grass on this hill. It was so packed. And what I didn't know is on the way up, because I've only seen really paid attention to the Kaffelmer itself. There's this theme theme park in the town with lots of <laughs> lots of um, lots of rides and lots of flashing lights. And it's an incredible atmosphere. So you, so we rode the Kaffelmer twice once before they came and then once afterwards and um just a great atmosphere everyone's already there they've been there for hours they're already pissed and there's people being rolled down the hill because they can't <laughs> see straight and you're you're just hooning it up there as, as fast as you can and you're getting cheered and people are putting their hands out and you know wanting to high five you and it's just got a great uh i mean you feel like you're in the race and they really treat you like you're like uh like the you know you're some kind of you know legend of of the sport but um but everyone gets the same treatment so so that was a really nice atmosphere um pretty intense and then on kerner day we 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 placed ourselves on a on a specific corner which was um onto a cobbled section where it's one of those corners where on an overhead view they start cutting across the pavement cutting across you know the verge and i just planted myself in a bush with my camera because I knew that the peloton was going to split around this bush. It was pretty terrifying actually, because I turned round when I heard the peloton coming and they were eight abreast and I just knew that it was like jaws behind oh me. God. They were going to hit me at some point. Um, and luckily they just bisected and went Parted. either side of me. Uh, I got a great shot of a couple of rear ends coming through. Um, luckily no one went down because if they'd hit this bush i was i'd be, I'd be toast so I'd have <laughs> you had, wouldn't be here telling us about I'd, have, I'd have had disc rotors through my ears it was yeah. it, was, it was pretty close but um it was a fantastic fantastic weekend and something i'm definitely going to make a uh an annual tradition from from here on yeah no it's something i've always wanted to do uh but never have done hopefully We'll get a chance to do yeah, this. and I have to say the other side of it is it's just beautiful to see um, how road racing is received in Belgium. I mean, obviously, you know, one of the homes of the sport, but um, it was it was the families out, um, people riding the course, uh, just people coming out of their doors and clapping clapping it along. I mean, it was just it was it was incredible to see how much it takes over the area, and there are so many races that are going to happen in this very area over the next four to six weeks that the disruption that they that they welcome is um is is just it's quite it's quite a lot for them to deal with but they obviously love well, it's it it's obviously a testament to how popular it is i mean you sent a picture or a video of you having your uh, a coffee in that that cafe uh just looked amazing it was just decorated in cycling memorabilia and uh and yeah. tv screen with before the race had even started with bike racing on yeah, that was in uh, in Ghent where they had various quick step jerseys hanging from the ceiling with numbers still pinned on. Yeah, all the staff behind the bar were wearing quick step, um, looked like quick step kind of office wear merch because they had quick step kind of, you know, um, crew necks and button down shirts. So maybe they had kind of mechanics outfits, which was giving them their um, their more fur, their more uh, formal behind the bar attire. But uh, it, it was that was a. That was a lovely spot. That's just where we had breakfast. We didn't make it back there in the afternoon, but we had we we had we had um, a couple of pastries and a coffee at I don't know maybe ten a.m. There were people at the bar who were on their second beer of the day, of so it, I wish we'd gone back just to survey the scene at the end of the race. But it would have been absolute pandemonium, carnage. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Did you do you get to watch any of that, Alex, when you were? 
I didn't get to see any of it. I've not, I've not seen that. I've not got to, um, no, I was traveling basically, uh, and a bit going on. No, fair but, enough. Yeah. And I'm not, no. I've not got, I've not got to grips with my new, I don't know if you should mention this. I've not got to grips with my new cycling subscription. No, now, G, now, um, GCN's gone. Like I'm, I'm struggling to find things on time and, and, and get the highlights and, and stuff like that. I couldn't, I couldn't find the highlights of it either. Um, yeah, it's I, was, like, I was like, right, I'm going to sit down and watch this properly. And then obviously by the time I got around to sorting that out, I, I accidentally misread the result and I was like, ah, and now I just haven't got to it. Um, just cause I'm away at the moment and I haven't had that time. I, I watched it on, on Eurosport. Uh, and and it was it was it was a good race. It was really exciting. Uh, um, you know, you, uh, the, the, sorry, uh, Om, Omloop was very exciting because you just couldn't see uh, until uh, you know two two kilometers from the end or even closer who was gonna who was gonna take it. Um, so it was pretty gripping, and you know, I was as rooting for Pidcock, but he looked looked to be in contention at one point, but his, the light went out on that. We we were watching on the quick. screen on the side of the Kappelmeer to see how they were approaching, and, and Pidcock looked great, and I was really hoping to see him attack, and I th- think he got dropped in the foot of the Kappelmeer, so mm. was, that was a bit sad to see. But when, the fact that he got eighth ahead of Arnold Delis is actually pretty mm. impressive. But there was a there was a collective, slightly disappointed sigh. Uh, in our group on the Kaffelmere watching it, watching the finish when Tratnik and Niels Pollock didn't really end in the kind of fireworks we were hoping for. But um it was uh it it was it was interesting to see the dominance of Yumbo, especially when they've got two national champs jerseys in the group. So you've got Dimmer Van Baal in a jersey which looks actually quite similar to Lotto. Yeah. And then you've got Christophe Lepore in the European Champs jersey, which is a strange jersey anyway, but but that looks doesn't look like Visma either, so it's actually quite hard to spot how dominant they are. But they're all there. Well, yeah, I mean, it was hard to see beyond them all weekend, really. But um, and yeah, it's surprising of all of all their, their um their riders that Tratnik was the one that that won it. But it was quite uh, it was quite sad when Nils Pollitt sort of got up to try and sprint and definitely just, he literally gave it one go. It looked a bit like me. Uh, gave it one go. <laughs> The, <laughs> it just I, I, wasn't there. I think you can me that as well, Andy. I think we both. <laughs> I think we, <laughs> we've all been there. We've all yeah. been there. But it was horrible to see live. <laughs> um, but anyway, I mean, we're, this is this is proudly an amateur amateur podcast. Yeah, amateur cycling. Talking about. Um, but I. But I'd. I'd say you know just to kind of you know bring it back. What What was lovely to see is just how big cycling is there and how big the amateur scene is there because like there were multiple um different generation families in their club kits they love a bit of club kit um i didn't don't think i saw any i don't think i saw saw panel mal for 48 hours which was a lovely uh lovely relief so much club kit just people loving repping the clubs they ride for and and multiple generations in the same club so so i think there was it's it's clear that, that that it's not just a pro cycling loving over there it's just it's just a cycling way of life and something which i guess we're going to touch on when when we speak to seb otley um and uh and something which i think in the uk we need a bit more of fred fred quick question 
No problem. Quick question for the podcast. Gel on your cornflakes. Talk me through your first... Gel on your cornflakes. Gel on your cornflakes. Okay. Talk gel. me through your first gel of the day. My first gel? Yeah. Um, my first gel is... Uh, I've got two layers on right now. Yeah. I've got a, a gabba layer and an under layer. And the under layer is the one with the gels. But on the, in the, on the gabba layer, I've got an, a spare gel just in case the, the crosswinds start at around 50k. Is that what you want to happen? Crosswinds at 50k? I've, let's just say I've got a gel to, so I'm covered. All right, talk me through your winning move because I think it's your day. Winning move, um, I'm going to follow the more climber types on, on the moor and, and win, the, win the sprint from a group of about five. That's, 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 the, that's the plan. That's all I want to happen. Yeah. Good luck for today. Can you just do a quick intro to the podcast and say, welcome to Gel on Your Cornflakes? <laughs> welcome to Gel on Your Cornflakes. Thank you very much. Good luck, mate. Okay, so while uh, Rupert was uh, um, uh, sauntering around uh, Belgium, um, I was uh, I did the hell of the Ashdown as we uh, previewed last week. It was uh, a, 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 a big event. It was at icy cold conditions. Uh, I had to scrape ice off my car before uh, uh, before I could even leave leave the house, and so I was fairly daunted by that. But despite that, there was uh, twelve hundred riders um, turned up out, out of fifteen hundred. Wow. So um, 310 and or 311, if you include Rupert, um, didn't get didn't didn't make it. No, there. Sorry about that. Um, but um, I, yeah, I, spoke, I caught up with Paul Haley today and asked him uh, after, after the event uh, uh, how, how it went. He, he said it was, um, you know, it went he, he was very pleased with it, despite the conditions, because basically it, it did warm up pretty quick. So uh, what you had instead of ice was just lots of wet filthy muddy roads um uh which is kind of what you expect in february um there were you know all went very well no injuries but there was as i mentioned in the intro a, one rider was hit by a deer um uh they were both okay fortunately um it was about it was only 10k from the start a deer jumped out from some woodlands <laughs> whacked into him uh he smashed his rear mech <laughs> He he was okay, well enough to sort of to to get back to HQ and to to sort his bike out. But I don't think he continued the ride. I think he got off lucky. Yeah. Well, apparently the deer was very confused. Uh, Concussion um, protocol. I think. think. I've been descending Toys Hill before, and I've seen the uh, the 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 guy I was following a deer just miss him with with antlers, and um, and I thought if that was a millisecond either side. That would have been head-on collision at fifty, sixty k an hour yeah. into into antlers. Yeah. I mean, it's just it, 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 yeah. that's, that's, that's life-threatening, isn't it? There's a have you, yeah. There's a famous internet clip of a yeah. getting hit in by a gazelle or something. It's pretty yeah, or wildebeest or something. In it, it's, it's, it's something it's, like that. It's in Africa. Or say, I know. I've seen. I've seen. There's probably a few of them actually. But, uh, but it was a good event, Andy. All went well. Yeah, it was it was good. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, as I say, I mean, I was just I was really worried about the weather on the way there because it was a really low fog, uh, and it was freezing cold, and you just had this sense that it wasn't gonna wasn't mm. gonna lift, but um, but it did, and it was fine. It was totally fine. I I went with two pairs of gloves, and I was actually 
actually went down to my thin liner gloves after a while so that's the, which i am a massive wimp so that's a sign of a wow because there was a lot of chat time. pre i was going to say pre-race but obviously it's not a race it's not pre, a race no. pre-sportive of skin suits yeah. and shaved legs so yeah. i think uh, some people did take it seriously do, well, have you got any some, results there? Some people wore skin suits, but there seems to be a lot of other layers involved as well. Oh, but there were, there were, yeah, the fastest time was we we uh, know the guy who got the fastest time. So uh, we mentioned him last week. Actually, he came second last year. Rob O'Grady laid that one to rest uh, and a time did, off. Did three, time off three hours and eight minutes, which is pretty impressive. That's uh, over thirty-two k an hour. On that um, course, that is yeah. that is a, that's a whopper. It's good. It was pretty I mean, good going. We've got to be demanding a sub three next year. Well, I think I think it's gonna it's gonna happen. He's probably plotting that now. Um, he also uh, beat another guy we know who who failed to uh, he, he so aeroed his chip timer that it didn't register. So he's gutted about that. Um, uh, that, is, that is a shame. That is a shame. But occupational hazard, I think he made the right call. Aero bubble. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it is a great course. They changed it slightly. There was no Brasted Hill, as we, uh, as, as Paul intimated in the interview uh, last week. Um, so that, that did mean that the last 15 kilometers or so was a lot faster than it would normally be because people could just, you know, empty the tank. Uh, no, not knowing that they didn't have to save anything for the, the horrible, the brasted bastard. Um, but yeah, but on the whole, a great event and uh, really sad that wasn't joined by either, either of you two. I was genuinely upset. I was, I mean, I know I was, um, you know, opening weekend and all that, but I did genuinely feel like this was, this was, this was going to be my opening weekend. I was looking forward to Hell of the Ashdown. So, um, uh, I mean, I can only apologise to everyone who attended that I couldn't make it. <laughs> but um, Alex has, doesn't seem to have any apologies or shits given. He's... I know. When I saw the photos afterwards of you guys in the brewery, I was definitely, I was, I was definitely gutted to miss that bit. Um, but to be quite That's honest, the only bit. I don't think I don't, I don't think I'd, I don't think I, I generally don't think I'd get round at the moment. Um, my the amount the, the amount of this I can is almost zilch. Like, like I say. I'm, I'm, I'm having a good winter break <laughs> and uh, yeah. I'll, I'll be fit for the summer. Yeah. Well, congratulations to Paul and everyone who took yeah, part. Well, I mean, it, was a, it was a great event. And as you alluded to, the, the, the atmosphere afterwards, it was, was incredible. You know, the bar, that bar was packed with people chatting and mingling and, you know, making new friends, not, not just individual groups. Yeah, great event. Well done, Paul and Flam Rouge team. Lovely stuff. Now it's time for our main interview of the episode with Seb Otley, who put on the Portsdown Classic in Hampshire, which until this year was known as Perth's Pedal. We wanted to hear about his experience as the new organiser of the South's first big amateur road race of 2024. But yeah, uh, so obviously the main thing we'd like to talk to you is about um, the race on Sunday and yeah. uh, how did it go? Um, it was, you know, your first year yeah as as uh, organizer yeah um must have been pretty daunting for you but but it seemed to go very well from what everything i've seen yeah um i mean i i yeah went better than i could ever have I sort of imagined to be honest um yeah i mean i i've taken it on this year mick wait um from vc st raphael he 
as most people know, he, he obviously was the organizer, ran it for 58 years. Um, wow. He raced with Mick, uh, like raced for his club for 16 years. Um, so, you know, friends with him, friends with the club, um, means a lot to me, that club. Um, only reason I left, I had sort of an opportunity to set something else up a little bit more local to me with some of my friends that I ride with week in, week out. So, um, yeah, we set up RCR or Racing Club Ravenna in 2016. Um, yeah, and, you know, virtually every year, you know, we sort of go out to watch it because it's, you know, as races go, fairly local. Um, yeah, and then, yeah, when he when he decided to sort of step down last year, there was plenty of, um, plenty of reasons why, which, you know, totally understandable. Um, I had a chat with him the same day that he sort of decided to step down and um yeah sort of went from there really um i've organized a nat b road race for the last two years at goodwood um so yeah the majority of the stuff i knew you know what to do but um yeah you knew the ropes of, of running a yeah. race but, yeah but... the majority of it obviously because i'm where i'm based i'm right on the edge of the border um of the region. So my events are Southeast, um, and this one went over the border into South region. Um, so it was new points of contact and things like that, but yeah, the, the sort of general running. Principles remain the same. Yeah. yeah. So, so tell, tell us a bit about it. Obviously uh, we, I should have said at the beginning, we, you, you, it was the Portsdown classic. I didn't actually yeah. mention that. That's yeah. a new, the new name. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and it was a new course as well, new HQ, is that right? Yeah, so, so um, one of the reasons um, Mick was struggling was, was finances. Um, so we, yeah, sort of took a look at the course and um, we, sh the, the bulk of the finish, uh, bulk of the course, sorry, is the same. So it's the same sort of 13, 13 and a half K loop. Um, but um, at the crossroads um, where you sort of take a left on the course, on the previous course, you would you take a right onto the finishing loop. Um, so, yeah, we look, looked at that and realised that would be, uh, I think it was five AMS. Um, and obviously cutting that down, you know, could save two between two and three hundred pounds. Um, so, yeah, we're just sort of looking at how we can adjust things. And I think I think it ended up working really well because with the finish being within the circuit, it meant a lot more people could get to the finish. So they would be watching mm. the race, you know, each lap come past and then it's only, you know, depending on where you are, but you know, it's only a couple of miles or a couple of K to the actual finish line. Whereas it was venturing off the course. If you were right at the very end of the course to get to the finish, it was sort of six, seven miles away. And in February, people might not want to venture that far unless you know if they're in a car or something but um mm. so i think that obviously the weather as well but that made a sort of you know played a big part on the amount of people actually at the finish um which at the time leading up to it, i didn't really um think of you know think of it like that um but yeah i mean seeing the crowd that uh, the atmosphere then, yeah, yeah yeah definitely 100 percent. um and then again with the hq there was another reason mick uh, was struggling with the parking because he used the local village hall um so there's limited parking there um and um 
yeah, so we sort of asked around and it was sort of banging your head against the wall, trying to get, find somewhere just very limited around that area. Um, and then it was um, someone I know, Gordon Richardson, he's actually uh, an a, uh, accredited marshal. Um, and him along with another chap, David, runs some coaching at the South Downs College and got in touch and said, you know, they're very, you know, cycling friendly at the college. We hire the car park out of a weekend and do some kids coaching in the car park. It's a massive car park. So, mm-hmm. yeah, got in touch with them. And, um, yeah, that worked worked really well. You know, the probably five, six, seven hundred spaces. So, that, you know, more than enough, you know, with because you think 85 riders, but then the convoy you know, yeah. and all that. And then the odd spectator would probably see nearly 200 cars in the car park in the morning. Yeah. So finding a village hall that can cope with that isn't going to happen really, is it? <laughs> yeah, you're bound to upset yeah. someone. So tell us a bit about the race. Just for anyone that doesn't know about it, how how, yeah. how long was it? What's the what's the uh, parkours? And, and then just a bit about how it played out. Yeah, so... Um, it's Nat B uh, classification, so it's open to elite first, seconds, and thirds. Um, and yeah, including the neutralised, I think it was forty, just over forty-seven miles. Um, uh, so, but which included six climbs. So you sort of neutralised along the top, out of the college, along the top of Ports Downhill. Um, the flag was dropped just as they sort of got onto the descent uh, for the race to start, and then um, it was five complete laps. Um, yeah, it's an interesting race, um, because the, because of when it is, you can get real group where it is and when in the year, the weather can normally play such a big part. Um, you know, freezing cold, you know, potentially at the beginning of the week, I was checking the forecast, you know, two or three times a day. And at one point it said it was going to be sort of minus two and sleet. Um, and you know, it, 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 that will have a big effect on who actually even turns up, even if they've entered or not. You know, they just I ain't going out in that kind of aspect, yeah. which you can't blame them, can you? No. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we were blessed with the weather this year. But, yeah, I mean, you climb up through Boar Hunt, which is the sort of main climb. Um, and then... Take and how a- long is that climb? And, and percentage, just to give people a feel for the intensity. Um, of the it's not brutally hard as a climb goes. But then that just makes it faster. So (laughs) it's kind of doesn't really matter. You know, you've got the sort of top riders, those, you know, top elites. It just means they'll hit it even harder every time. Um, And from what, even though I was obviously the organiser, I didn't actually get to see much of the race. By the time I left HQ to get down there, I had a few little bits to do on the course. Um, by the time I got to where the lap board was, it was two laps to go. So I kind of missed the first three laps. And then when they came through for the bell, I had to then move up to the finish to get the finish line all ready and prepped and whatnot. Um, so I didn't see much of it. I've heard bits and yeah. basically by the sounds of it, it was, yeah, that first lap um, neutralized was, you know, come to an end. It's a longer flat road along the bottom. Um, and then as soon as they hit that, the sort of steepest section of the climb, um yeah St Piran sort of hit out and started to split up and then the the winning break went on the first lap um but it's I think it's one of those events that it does vary quite a bit each year last year I um I I entered last year and and 
was stupid enough to race it but yeah um which i'm glad because it turned out to be the last one sort of you know under the banner of yeah. weight and of, of the name yeah. perth's pedal um i've yeah you know it's sort of um yeah don't know whether i'll ever get the sort of chance to do it whilst organizing or not but you know it's never you never know i don't know maybe and, and what was what's the story behind the name change there? Because I think people may have may have heard of Perth's pedal, but but at the same time, it feels like the new name is a little bit more accessible in in that yeah, um, the classic well, you might know of in, on the continent. Yeah, I mean, I as I said earlier, I raced with Mick, and I've known Mick sort of <clears throat> raced with him for fifteen, sixteen years. Known him twenty five or something now, and um, yeah, the I've, I, the whole time that I was in that club, I never knew what the name meant and it's sort of mm. i don't uh i never even thought to ask to be honest it was just the purse pedal that's what it is and um yeah we uh got chatting after the um after you know the day that he uh sort of said you know he's, he's calling it a day um and one of the things he said was that he he wanted the sort of name to come to an end to be honest mm. um which you know obviously it's it's his event it's part of him and 58 years is a long time um and it's got obviously a certain meaning to, to him um he did explain why which i don't know if he wants it public so i'll leave that because it Fair was enough. you know um but yeah you know it, it's part of him and his family and you know a lot of family members were out helping throughout the years putting out signs doing the refreshments afterwards and stuff like that so you know that was one of the requests he said you know if someone does take the event on then um he sort of wants the a new sort of fresh image and a fresh name um so yeah we toyed with a few different ideas um and yeah obviously being on sort of ports downhill it's we just sort of settled at, at that really um yeah i think it's a great name it's a great yeah. name so the winner this year was sam culverwell yes and Perrin, and yep. second place could you talk us through just the, the podium and then and then some of the other big riders that were there and and uh, how they um, Yeah, so uh, as I said, like, I didn't get to see a great deal. Um, a break went first lap um, and, yeah, stayed away. Sam, I didn't, to be honest, I didn't uh, look too much at what sort of riders had been doing over the winter. So people were asking me beforehand, you know, who's your money on? And I honestly didn't have a clue. Um, it's... I'd have put money on St. Piran getting the Piran, win, yeah. obviously, yeah. but who I wouldn't, you know, wouldn't have, wouldn't have sort of guessed. Um, a few, few other people had sort of chucked Sam's name around. So he was obviously one of the favorites. Um, uh, I think second place, uh, Jamie, that was a great ride. He's only, I think, 19 years 19, yeah. Yeah. So um, that was a fantastic ride from him being, you know, in that break with, with other sort of St. Piran riders, not from what mm. I heard, you know, he fought well and, you know, looked after himself and, you know, um, and he was actually a, a rider um, from our club. He coaches Jamie. Um, mm. And a while, as soon as it went live, he sort of messaged and said, you know, can you make sure Jamie's, uh, Jamie gets a spot because, you know, he knows the event sells out and, um, how popular it is and stuff so can you make sure he gets a spot because he's he's going places so um yeah but yeah he, he had a he had a great ride so yeah jamie witcher. yes yeah jamie witcher yeah so he um 
yeah he yeah he's um yeah lovely chap i mean that all everyone on the podium were, were fantastic you know really grateful took the time to you know come and thank me and thank marshals and and whatnot afterwards so um yeah and yeah third was rowan baker i think he again a st pyrrhon rider um he moved over from london dynamo and he i can't was he a top five i think he might got fifth last year um so again like he you know was was up there as one of the favorites um but you know it does as i said earlier it pans out so differently and sometimes the breaks come go early and come back and then um i think you know obviously if that break went and there wasn't a st piran rider in it then it you know good chance they'd have committed to bringing that back and it might not have might not have stuck but i think they had three in the break so it was you know yeah. um I, I did read that, that there was obviously an attempt to pull back that that um, yes. break yeah um, and it was led by or or part alex dowsett was in that is that right he was yeah there were multiple yeah attempts um i know i think in the end a, a secondary sort of split happened with right. i think alex richardson red walters Right. Um, we're in that, and um, as I said, I mean, it sounds silly as being the organizer, but I didn't actually get to see a great deal of how it sort of panned out. Um, so yeah, but um, yeah, and then regarding some other riders, um, I sort of yeah, friends with Jesse Yates, and um, he's working with cams. Um, so last year we spoke about putting an event on together at, at the Goodwood Motor Circuit. Um, so he was sponsoring that, and yeah, he roped in. Ed Clancy and uh, Dowsett and Ian Bibby to come along to that. It was a yeah big mad handicap hundred odd riders at, at Goodwood, and um, yeah kept in touch with both Ed and uh, Alex. Um, I sort of yeah I approached Alex about sort of entering, um, and we've got another mutual friend, and he was saying you know Alex will do anything for a YouTube video, so. <laughs> Yeah, so he, yeah, he he was yeah he was up for it, um, and I didn't know about Ed until he entered. He messaged me about three or four days before, um, and yeah, he he said, you know, is there any space? You know, and he, he just entered by BC as you know as everyone else, and yeah, yeah, I was quite quite shocked at that. Um, yeah, because it's not, you know, the the he, the uh, the motor circuit obviously pan flat is probably suits him a bit more than. Um, than a hilly road race being you know more of a sort of track rider but um mm. yeah he's yeah he's but he did all right he got round. i mean there was loads of riders you know that, that didn't and you know he, he did um there was uh yeah it was yeah it was good to sort of have those on the finish line i think it was good that they were there um they'd entered and it it wasn't sort of public knowledge until after the sort of start list was you know released um you know, so people didn't enter just because they had entered, sort of thing. You know, it was, oh, no, no, it was, no, it was yeah. a full feel based on its own merit of, of events, sort of thing. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> just moving on to cost, uh, how much does it cost to enter that race? Uh, so the entry was £35. Um, yeah. Which is pretty reasonable for a, yeah, big, I think so. big, a big event. Yeah, yeah, um, it's what I've run my Goodwood one at the last few years. Um, it's yeah, Mick, that's what Mick was charging the previous year. Um, I think that's generally. I, I mean, I might be wrong. I think every event has different costs mm. involved. Um, you know, based on how many. Well, sorry, yeah. 
Yeah, so I was just going to say that, that, that a more broader view, of course, you mentioned in in the interview, you, you, I read your interview in the British Continental yes. and you talked yes. about uh, costs that, that someone trying to put a national A on have been quoted, yes. 50, yeah. that it was running up to £55,000. Obviously, I don't know whether you want to talk about uh, figures yeah. in public, but I mean, obviously, it is a hell of a lot of work and presumably there is expense. Can you give us an idea of you know, the stresses of putting on a race of this size? Um, yeah, I mean, as I said, I've done a few now. So sort of stress-wise, it's not too bad. Um, you know, it, it's a, a lot of time on the computer, but not mm. not uncontrollable time. Um, yeah, obviously, yeah, I work full-time, got a young family, so it's sort of, you know, evening work and stuff but um but yeah as it goes on you know you get your points of contact you know you delegate it's difficult to delegate because there's only one organizer on the british cycling website assigned to that event so if anything goes wrong it's on your head so to a certain extent sometimes it's nice just to know you've you know you if you've done it it's on you or if you haven't mm. done it it's on you um but yeah you know the, as as years go on and more people um sort of help out you realize where you can sort of delegate stuff but like all the entry stuff i have to log in onto my bc login so i'm the only one that can sort of deal with all the mm. emails and all the logins and stuff like that um but you know other places where they can help um you know they do um we've got i think there's four of us that went out and put the signs out the night before um um you know so again but that was you know that's five hours or something which you sort of don't necessarily think about when you're a rider the time that goes in before the race like the setup and stuff like that um mm. having to drive to the to the lockup which is you know sort of an hour and a half each way to pick up and then drop all the signs back again after the event and things like that um but yeah i mean sort of luckily i'm we're around work it's fairly flexible so i can sort of do stuff like the, the signs and, and whatnot but um yeah regarding the costs um I haven't I don't know an exact figure but they this one didn't pay for itself we were lucky to get a sponsor again it's someone from the club um mm. it was almost there and almost done and ready to to go but we just didn't have the the costs and sort of had a few little sort of con you know ideas of who to contact um and then yeah I was chatting to someone in the club and he said oh I'll have a chat with my old man who um, sort of runs the business that you know he works for. Um, yeah, and then he got back and, and said, um, yeah, whatever, like whatever it costs, really. We'll just let us know after the event and we'll, yeah, sort and, of. And, do you want to say who that was? And, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's T. Uh, it's nothing to do with cycling, amazingly enough, yeah. but uh, T&M Cable Services. Yeah. Um, and to be honest, I've found in the couple of years, like we've we've got some fantastic sponsors. Um but getting um within the cycling industry um and they you know sort of put forward a, you know great prizes um mm. saddleback for instance the amount of helmets they send us through is is brilliant um mm. our kind of long-term title sponsor this is fat creations um which is like bikes uh, uh frame spray yeah i looked those up when i was looking at you guys they look yes yeah really um, i mean some of the work he does is absolutely yeah they look amazing it's so good and um but yeah he he's got lots of contacts um upgrade bikes and 
um, lasagne and things like this. And the amount of prizes we can get, you know, some years it's over 15,000 pounds worth of, of, you know, sort of prizes, um, which is great, but obviously there are certain things that you have to pay for with, with money. Mm. Um, so, mm. and I've found that almost non-cycling companies are more likely to sort of hand over bigger amounts of money than, than sort of cycling brands. Um, because from their point of view, they don't see the return if we've handing over sort of cash as they do products. Um, mm. So yeah, it was great to have yeah to have them on board. Um, and you and you need those on that 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 financial help from the, the sponsor. Yeah, um, to, so to I put mean, the event on without them, it's not possible. Is that not, is that right? Or not on this? Yeah. Some courses. Yeah. Um, I mean, we I do the Goodwood one, um, which is on uh, again this year. In like, oh, I've got to do it all over again in six weeks. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's. Uh, that's a double, like men, you know, double hitter. So it's a Nat B men's and a Nat B women's, um, and that breaks even to within a couple of hundred quid. So we're, we're okay mm. on that. Um, whereas, but that's because obviously you there are extra costs because it's um, two races. Um, so you know the medical cover you're paying for a full day rather than a half day. You know the higher the you know HQ and things like that. So obviously some costs go up um but not enough to sort of counteract the entries if that makes sense so mm. that one you, we sort of do okay on um but yeah the perfs wouldn't have not the perfs the portsdown classic sorry um i'll get in trouble yeah, um, yeah that would well yeah didn't doesn't run um and again going back to calling it the perfs that's what mick said you know he he's run it at a loss for a number of years but because of the history and the, you know and all that and his involvement in it um he sponsors his own sort of club so he just was happy to take the hit to keep to keep it going mm. as long as he did um, he personally took that hit and are you do you, you say it didn't quite cover costs this year is it, are you taking a personal hit or is it no so it? we um no i mean because i say it was a personal hit for him about sort of getting into his financial details but yeah because he runs that club um so he you know and sponsors it and whatnot mm. um there's um so no i mean we we've been lucky um as a club we run the, the motor circuit series and sort of generate a little bit of money there to sort of you know buy bits and pieces um for the club um uh that we need obviously right you know extra numbers extra lap boards bell you know and all that sort of radios and stuff like that you don't really necessarily think about needing um until you start putting an event on um and last year we um there was a couple of events i think we run five or six and there was a couple that didn't break even but then as a series of five or six we did okay because the others sold out and and we were all right um so we've always been quite lucky um and regarding yeah this weekend um no, I mean, it would have been a hit, which until, yeah, T&M Cable Services. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. all praise, all praise yeah. T&M Cable Services. Yes, if you need any cable, you know where to go. So we'll definitely be shouting <laughs> their names from the, from the rooftop. Yeah. But it just, what we really, I mean, want to draw attention to is that, is that you know, this, 
this type of racing, which um, a lot of people rely on for uh, either for, you know, as, as a pathway to professional uh, sport or simply for their own um, kind of pastimes, it's not, it doesn't feel like it's sustainable. And there's a British cycling report recently, which said that, you know, road racing is 18% down over the last four years and entries yeah, are going yeah. down. And it seems like the whole scene is in a slightly precarious space with a, also a kind of generational change between organizers, which you've actually just gone through in the last year yeah um it's it's in a really interesting but perhaps precarious spot so um we uh we just want to kind of that's why we're dwelling a bit on the organizational uh piece here and, and trying to find out um you know what it takes and, and and help people understand what it might take for them to get involved so have you on the poor positive side have you seen um have you seen many other uh you know people of your generation or even younger kind of taking on the reins or trying to trying to get a hold of some of these more established events to try and keep um, them going into the future i mean uh the obvious name is james hawkins you know from the uh like Ombonk crew and you know up at sheffield um what he's doing by the sounds of it is you know fantastic he's really jumped in with both feet and putting on some some great events um down here on the south coast, not really a lot of the sort of, um, yeah, a lot of the organisers are of that sort of, yeah, as you say, sort of the previous generation. Um, I think um, when an event is lost, you get a lot of hit back from sort of keyboard warriors. BC need to step in, BC need to do mm -hmm. something. But unfortunately, the money's just not there. BC you know, they don't, but they, they can't financially contribute to any event um, until you get up to sort of, I think I might be wrong, so don't quote me on it, but I think the only event they really fund is the actual national championships. Um, but yeah, I mean, as, as you sort of touched on earlier, um, you know, even the Nat A's organisers are volunteers and they're expected to somehow get hold of, you know, in excess of £50,000 to put an event on. Um and the calendar, the Nat A calendar, like last year, was down to was it five events? But then you know it's so off-putting. You know I've run two Goodwoods and uh, Portsdown Classic, and to be honest, don't have any sort of interest in in improving that to make it from Nat B to Nat A. Um, mm -hmm. For the amount of effort, the amount of work, and the amount of money that's needed, you just don't see the. Um, just don't really see worth the sort of extra work um and what is the extra what is that step up is that is that uh policing is that um yeah um, um i don't know the ins and outs the figure i got was from a fellow organizer he got in touch with me and said um someone had passed my details on could you give me some sort of pointers and i said well i know the nat b's inside out but i don't know anything about mm -hmm. nat a's and then he got back to me and said he's been through a course with bc um and um yeah they they've, they've estimated around fifty five thousand. um so obviously just put him straight off and he said if i do one it'll just be in that b again um now i think there's there's like certain rules there has to be barriers for so so mm, and, and like yeah. a, a gantry over the finish um someone said that you have to have um, one of the podiums inside like the, the lorries um, mm. and things like that. So, you know, it's just all those sort of things that you've got to hire. 
um, mm. which, you know, aren't cheap. Um, there's a, a local club here put on a city centre crit and they had to put barriers up, um, obviously, for the whole circuit. And it was a kilometre circuit. Um, and they said, well, well, indirectly, but I've heard that it cost them just over 20,000 um, to run that event. Um, now, to muster up £20,000 in entry fees, it's just never going to happen. So unless you get some big, big sponsors that are willing to shell, shell loads of cash into it, um, you know, it's just not, mm. not going to happen. Or, or, or local councils or governments seeing the benefit of these activities. I mean, I, yeah. heard, that, I heard that the um, the, the policing costs of, uh, of a Nat A race is more than the, the, the policing costs for the whole of the Vuelta because, uh, yeah. you know, obviously yeah. that's seen as a seen as a you know a benefit to um to society and to their culture yeah. economy and uh, yeah. and, and the yeah. government fronts the cost so i think there's there seems to be lots of different ways of yeah trying, um, i've not i've i've heard i don't know if this is right it might be you know you might be able to say what you've heard but i've heard that it was around five thousand pound a motorbike um but i, I don't i don't know if that's mm. chinese whispers wow. and you know down the you know um down the line but yeah and then if you need half a dozen of those mm. you know it's not quite a lot mm. you know on top of everything else that you already need you know so you can see why it soon adds up to these fifty thousand pound figures yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well i mean tell us about your 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 um event coming up so so what are the dates of uh of uh, goodwood and um, um so the next one we've got the road race which is the 30th of march um and is it sold out or are there still opportunities no still plenty of space um that's an e123 is it as well yeah Nat yeah same yeah. natby 75 miles um 9 30 i think i am and then mm. the women's races again natby same course five laps so it's uh 55 miles um and that or 53 miles i think and that is um yeah in, yeah in the afternoon um that's we've changed it a little bit this year and that's part of the women's british team cup um so we've done we've done i think really well the last two years um 60 over 60 entries in the women's event um so hopefully i mean the dream would be to to get a full field of 80 um and sell it out we're only 12 15 riders off so hopefully being part of the the team cup then um it might sort of push it you know a few more entries closer yeah Mm -hmm. um yeah do do you do you do a goodwood series don't you yeah yeah so that's at the motor circuit series yeah um at the motor circuit yeah uh we've a few more on this year so we're doing i'm sort of trying to mix it up a little bit um so when we started out it was three events um and we, I, I did it as a two three series um yeah not that i was racing but just selfishly i've a second cap most of my life so support my sort of category and yeah. um, you know but it is one of those things you become a second cap the step up from third to second and then you you know you're racing against the elites and first week in week out um so yeah we did that and mo- the majority of my club are second cats and yeah, we did that. Then we extended it to a fourth um, to put uh, and put the handicap on um, purely because it was a nightmare trying to work the results for the series and do the presentation. So it obviously give me the week to, to worry about. <laughs> um, 
And then, yeah, now this year we're extending it up and we've got eight dates. So we're doing three events. Um, uh, th- yeah, three events, which are going to be E12 men's races, third cat race and a fourth cat race and a women's race, um, followed by a team time trial. And then we've got the like our traditional series of three with the two threes, uh, a support race, fourth cat to women's race. And then finish the series with the with the handicap again. So cool. Um, when, when does that kick off? Then? First Tuesday in May. I should know off the top of my head. Yeah, I should. Uh, yeah, so first Tuesday in May, and then that runs yeah for eight weeks. You know, yeah. are they live? For, uh, are you taking entries now? Uh, they all are bar the TT at the moment. Um, it's been submitted. It's just waiting for BC to again that. It was a finance problem because um, running that, we need the chip timing. Um, and I was on and on about which sort of formats to do it, whether we do three, then a handicap three, and then another handicap. Um, and then out of the blue, um, it was Darren from Strada Wheels said that the guy that um, runs TMC, which is another local club, really likes the time trials. Um, if they were to sponsor it, you know, how much would they need? Um, so I had a chat with him and he said, oh, we'll, we'll just, we'll cover the costs for the timing chips, whatever it costs. Um, so yeah, that's going to be a joint venture with, yeah, right. Our, uh, our club, RCR and yeah, TMC, which is a club just down the road. Um, so yeah, that'll be, you know, quite nice, you know, to sort of put an event on with another club, you know, to show it's just, um, there's no sort of rivalry and it's, it's nice to work with other clubs. You know, you, you're friends with them, you train with them. So it's, yeah, nice to sort of, no. you know, yeah, sort of muck in together and, yeah, put an event on together. Because uh, I was I was going to say that because you're not, obviously not that busy, you also run a, your own club. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, there's, yeah, there's a few of us, yeah, but yeah. So, yeah, so that, that's, that's been going for, you mentioned that at the start. Uh, for this year, about 2016, yeah, so eight, yeah. going into the eighth year, I think, yeah. Yeah. And how how how's that? How did that come about? And what's the structure of your club and um, racing? Yeah, so yeah, I mean, I was I was happy at VC St Raphael, and then um, yeah, I don't know, I can't really remember. We got sort of chatting a few few of us, and um, said about sort of setting something up, um, and then obviously coming from the Raphael, it was a quite a prestigious club. Um, so when I'd sort of decided to make the jump, I sort of, you know, knew I had to go in sort of full gas sort of thing to make sure it's a success and not leave a, such a good club for, you know, to set one up, it'd be a flop and, you know, it not work out. Um, so, yeah, there was seven of us, I think, in the first year. And then that quickly grew by the end of the year to 14. Um, and now we sort of sit at about 20 five ish um but yeah you know new members have come in some people have sort of moved away or gone to another club and things like that but um yeah we're we're sort of happy with we don't sort of advertise for new members we don't push for new members um we'd rather it be sort of smaller and manageable um rather than a club with a hundred not that there's anything wrong with this but you know rather than sort of a a club with a hundred riders where people sort of don't know each other. Um, mm-hmm. you know, we sort of 
you know all mates were happy go for a pint with each other and i think that's what helps a lot with the running of the events um chatting to one of the commissaires and he pointed out um you know he's commissaired at some really good sort of top events he's a uci qualified com and um you know he said you know f- for the portsdown classic it was the first event on that course not the first event i've run granted but the first one on a brand new course for me um and couldn't fault sort of the way the team worked and you know um i think they're sort of you know being all sort of quite good mates it it works quite well um well it's a great advert for your club you might not be wanting new members but it sounds like a great club to join yeah, yeah. i mean there's no no barrier obviously but yeah we don't sort of yeah, yeah, I understand. Yeah, people yeah. get in touch. And I mean, where's they, the name come from? Ravenna. Uh, that's twinned with Chichester in Italy. Ah, so, yeah. very nice. Yeah. Very nice. Have well, you been on a pilgrimage to Ravenna training? No, camp? there's been talk about it, and one of the other guys said about yeah, trying to get out there later in the year. But yeah, it's a fifteen hundred mile ride so i don't know <laughs> it could be interesting to turn up there as a, as a crew and try and meet up with their local club and, yeah uh, we've um it's, we've like when we we're out in mallorca we had some people come up and assume we were from ravenna and stuff um yeah so uh yeah i like that approach to naming that's very yeah, clever. It yeah <laughs> it's just yeah so a little bit different there's a couple of clubs i think um muden uh they're named aren't they after the sort of french town that they're twin no, right very nice yeah very nice. Yeah. yeah good good idea yeah to get that continental uh glamour yeah. in there yeah yeah <laughs> sounds, yeah sounds a bit more you know than just chichester so yeah look, well look th- thanks again for your time seb no and, um, thanks for the good luck with goodwood and uh yeah. next year as well yeah. all right Cheers. Okay. Thanks Cheers. So much, bye. bye bye thank you bye, bye. Yeah, fascinating chat, uh, chatting with um, Seb there from uh, the Portsdown Classic. Um, you know, what a, a lot of work he's had to take on. Yeah, it's it's just so important to uh, to hear from, from the organisers and realise what it takes to put on the events that we all like doing. And, and I think it it just really highlights how difficult road racing is in particular because there's so much logistical challenge in in marshalling courses in uh in having commissaires and having outriders and having um barriers uh if it's in a town center um and probably speaks to why you know circuit racing has been on the rise and road racing has been on the wane in the last last five years but i really hope i hope that um you know new solutions that can be found because it's such a great tradition of road racing in the in this country especially yeah it is uh, i think one of the other big costs is policing you know you have to close roads and i think it causes it, there's obviously then relationships with the villages that you go through the parish councils and so forth it's a nightmare trying to coordinate all of those things and there's obviously a cost to that and i think you've got to say how is it should it just fall on individuals to work their way around that or should there be some help uh from you know i think you mentioned it in the interview from councils government sport you know the Mm. dcms or something should should there be some other funding mechanism for people to to run these races there needs to be some better structure Mm. well yeah clearly there does need to be for the survival of it but um 
yeah it probably just highlights how cycling has become a, a divisive and tribalistic um problem or well, not a problem but tribalistic topic in in this country um in belgium and northern europe and, and in, in spain as we heard with the vuelta although that is a uh headline event uh it's just clearly not such a big problem i mean the although it is problem with um the uh tour of britain has suffered the same um so even the headline events here are, uh, are being treated as a kind of free market capitalistic um proposition rather than seeing as something which is uh, a national um treasure that should be subsidized and um should be uh supported at a at a at a higher level so yeah i mean in 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 uh, france spain italy they see these tours as an opportunity to showcase the country you know that's it's not by accident <laughs> yeah. that the camera lingers on chateaus and on hilltops and so forth it's it's part of a you know telling people and I, I sit there watching the tour de france or the giro thinking blimey i'd like to go on holiday there um so it does it does have that impact and i think that the the you know the bean counters sometimes want to see a bigger picture of where you know the the, the money the, the the worth of these events and you know you can sell areas and 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 parts of the country on this yeah mm, yeah there was um so a bit of context on some of the the background for this interview is that british cycling have just uh released uh a report uh, which was chaired by uh, and, and and led by Ed Clancy, among others, um, looking into what the, the pitfalls um, facing British road racing at the moment. And it was very interesting to see uh, to see their their outcomes and and their recommendations, which were were really looking for uh, a new generation of organisers, but also looking for new business models um, to support to support racing, as you said just just then. You know, thinking of it less as a, less as a provision for people who want to road race, and more as a as a as a promotion of uh, town centres or of different areas, and also you know seeing town centre crits and things like this is not just something which 40 riders want to go and do of an evening, but actually look at it as a, as a big day out as a kind of cultural fest, event fest, festival of bike or, a, or a health festival for this town on that day mm. and make it, make it a huge cultural event. Um, but that, that um, I think that's going to require a lot of lobbying and a lot of, a lot of uh, changing of the public opinion and, um, uh, which which will take quite a few years, but, um, but well, I think it's good to see that progress is being made. As you say, they're doing this in the face of a culture war in which uh, political parties are trying to set each other against you know, one another over if you love a bike, you signify something, and if you don't, then it's something else. So it's, it's, it's not exactly a great uh, backdrop for... To, to try and find money at this uh, in for public money certainly at the moment mm, exactly which is why i think circuit racing which is self-contained um off-road racing gravel racing which is uh normally contained within a kind of national park or or uh, kind of uh like keel the forest for um uh which you can you can rent out and don't need the same level of marshalling is is taking off and we can certainly see that in america where tour of california has died and, and to all to, to everything um, I'm hearing a lot of road racing is simply completely dead in in the US, and and all of the high level cyclists are moving over to gravel. off off road racing and gravel racing through the lifetime series. So it's uh, that that is a trend which which I you know really hope we don't see in the UK. Not that I'm against that. I love love off road, but um, there, there's a lot of 
Um, the, I think the pros, we, the, the, the positives we can take away here is that British Cycling is investigating how to support road racing. It's not simply turning its eye to gravel and off-road and saying that's where the future is. So hopefully that that is a sign that um, that there will be uh, a future for road racing and that the culture can be built again. Uh, but uh, uh, it, cer- it certainly feels like it's in a, in a trough at the moment, but, but maybe, well, maybe a piece will follow. It- yeah, the road racing, the domestic road racing seems in a trough, but obviously, and this may be part of the problem, we've discussed this before, that that there are still, if you look at the World Tour, there are loads of UK-based riders there now. More than ever, doing, apparently. Yeah, doing really well there. and, you know, shining brightly in, in all the races. But I think you mentioned that, that this was also possibly part of the demise of the british british road racing scene because they're being they're being spotted very early and going on to yeah to development squads and sort of you know that that's so big big name hopefuls are, yeah, are not the, doing the going through the traditional domestic routes and yeah the phrase used in the bc report was this was the sporting pathway and that you know national road racing uh, in the UK, isn't it has historically been a pathway to professional, uh, a professional career where you would spend your under twenty three um, uh, time, you know, honing your craft in the UK, and that would mean that the, the national uh, series here had a great crop of young talent. Whereas now we're seeing the likes of Josh Tarling being pluck, plucked out of of uh, the domestic scene at the age of I think it was was it seventeen or mm. I'm not sure how old he was when Ineos took him to the world tour but um it's getting younger and younger which means that the domestic scene is is not able to capitalize on that young talent facing off against each other and making it really exciting um so that, so it's being attacked on all fronts as a there's a financial front a political front and also simply a kind of uh, a structural a, a issue structural issue of talent being taken straight to the world tour at a younger age than ever that's not going to change that's only going to happen more and more as we can see around the world cycling and all sports are just getting younger the age of retirement is getting younger um most sports uh nowadays are seeing people retiring in their early 30s and and elite level uh practitioners are in their early 20s um i think the days of a valverde or a you know a pirlo are are over um across all sports so that's not going to change but it doesn't mean we shouldn't have um, domestic racing here, but it just might not be at the elite level anymore. Um, but that's why we need that's why we need um, the Tour of Britain. That's when we get the elite level back mm. over here. Mm. So it's it's com- it is it is very complex and it's unusually complex because it takes place on the open roads. That's why that's why it's different to all these other disciplines. But that's why we're looking at multiple disciplines because um, it's interesting to look at it in the round for sure. Yeah. Okay. Thanks very much. I don't know. No, 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 no. Cornflakes, no. No cornflakes. No, no cornflakes, no gel, no, no. And only sandwiches and and uh, coffee uh, and, and the cola and... Uh,